Ini ni 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 Hello everyone. My name is Kayla. And I'm Steph. Welcome to episode two of the Witchery Podcast. Here we talk about all things witchy, including real historic witch trials, tales, and folklore. Today we will be talking about Galus Duncan. Just before we start the story on Galus Duncan, I just want to say that she was accused of witchcraft in Scotland. And we've been putting off doing a Scottish witch trial for so, so long, just because first we want to do the accused witches justice, and second, there is a tremendous amount of witch trials that have unfortunately taken place in Scotland, enough so that there are podcast channels solely dedicated to the Scottish accused witches, such as one of our favorite podcasts, Witches of Scotland. And I just wanted to say this because it was kind of hard to pick which which witch to cover in our podcast. And I know we're going to do more in the future, but the reason why we chose Galus Duncan was because of the trial surrounding it. It kind of set the stage for the latter witch trials that happened in Scotland. So there are tons there will be more that we cover but we specifically picked this one because of the entire trial and history surrounding it and on top of this i do believe that scotland is also mine and steph's one of our favorite countries isn't it steph yeah no it's definitely like of course other than here it's my favorite country of all time i just love going there i love being in the surroundings and it's just it's so full of history and then especially when it comes to their folk tales um, when it comes to witchcraft and other older traditions that stem back like thousands of years I think it's yeah it's uh, it's hard to compare to for Mm -hmm. me (laughs) so back to our accused witch as Steph mentioned we will be discussing Galus or Jillis Duncan, whichever pronunciation you want to take. And she was actually part of a larger trial, which is one of the first major witch trials of Scotland. And this is the Berwick Witch Trials, which included many other individuals, including some familiar names if you're into your witch history, such as Agnes Sampson, Barbara Napier, John Cunningham, Euphemie McAlzine, Robert Grierson, Lennett Bandelandis, Margaret Atchison, Alanis Murray, and many, many more. A total of around 60 people were actually accused during these trials that took place for over two years. Galus Duncan was almost directly the one that initiated this trial. Well, that sounds bad. It was actually King James VI, which we'll get into, but she was one of the first to be accused. 
And if you think the name Galus Duncan sounds familiar, yes, she was the inspiration of the witch in the Outlander series, written by Diana Gabaldon, but she was a real person, and we are going to share her very real, very unfortunate story today. So Steph is going to give us some background into this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I just want to give a little scope into how a trial like this actually happened. And in Scotland, it was a lot more common and they had a lot more trials than pretty much anywhere else. So I just like to give a little backstory because I know that some people might wonder like why it was so brutal, like why there were so many and why Scotland is almost infamous for its witch trials. And this is why. So in 1561, Mary, Queen of Scots, returned to Scotland. Now, at this point, Scotland was going through another Protestant Reformation where it was previously Catholic. And Mary, Queen of Scots, returned and she's also Catholic. And she was hiding away in France for reasons I won't get into because they're not important to the story. <laughs> um, but she comes back and basically there's a whole par- parliamental shift of them trying to reform the government into having a Protestant-based government, basically, which means that they have to make new laws. And these new laws also include acts of discipline. Before this, witchcraft was never a focus. Yes, people could be accused of it, but not in a sense where you could be punished to this degree and not a sense where it was even focused on just because traditional, like, magic or witchcraft would technically be conducted by healers and other people, especially just because Scotland is so full of folklore and folk tales and things like that and spirits. 1563 is when the Witchcraft Act was created. And I would read it out, but the English would be a little bit difficult to understand. Maybe I'll, um, we'll make a post about it when this episode comes out. So the Witchcraft Act was added in 1563 as it was modified from its previously harsher form of discipline against witchcraft because it was originally presented in 1561. John Knox played a large role. John Knox was kind of like the head of the Protestant movement at the time. And he played a role with his participation in authoring the book of discipline that would be presented to the court in 1561, which was then revised for 1563, which made the discipline against witchcraft harsher. A man of the church was definitely the writer of this act. The author or identification of this act is still debated. The suspects are John Knox, John Erskine of Dunn, and John Winram. These men are suspected just because of how harsh they were and how many times and how much they would accuse women of being witches in in the future. That's why people think that it was them who wrote this. Since Queen Mary of Scots, like when she abdicated and since her imprisonment, Scots had already taken advantage of the Witchcraft Act. Like, I feel like, of course, that's going to happen just because it's it's this new law of discipline and a person could be easily implicated if they were to harm somebody else. And at this point, witchcraft was mostly just known to be malevolent. So that means that witchcraft was only known to cause harm to others. That's what people understood witchcraft to be. And witchcraft also 
had strong connections to Catholicism and just would be acts kind of against the church or something that would seen that would be seen as increasingly sinful. So I wanted to get into the fact that so part of the witchcraft act, there's a part that says lords of regalities and royalties, their deputies and others, ordinary judges. <laughs> so regality courts were private courts in certain regions, the lords of which pre- possessed uh, jurisdiction over numerous serious crimes in areas with regalities, sometimes known as the royalty, the sheriff and baron courts shared the equivalent jurisdiction. The lordists and realities did not exist. So the act's author knew a good deal about the Scottish legal system, but not enough to avoid the telltale drafting error. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that it's not just the head court and the church that can judge you. It it was easier to condemn women of being witches because literally the Lord of the area that they live in could accuse you and you could be put to death by them. So you, you don't need a judge to be there. It could just be a deputy or a Lord of the land that you live on that could uh, accuse you. And then you'd just be thrown to the dogs. Getting into James, James, the sixth of England and James, the first of Scotland. So um, by the time that the North Berwick trials took place, which is um, what Galus was a part of, unfortunately, James, he wasn't really ruling yet, but he still had great influence. James was known to be a coward. He was raised as a Protestant in the lowlands. He had weak legs and believed himself to be highly intelligent. Um, he may have been somewhat intelligent, but in truth to me, he seemed like more of a megalomaniac who exaggerated every situation. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. In 1589, he married Princess Anne of Denmark. And when he returned by sea to Scotland, he believed witches conjured storms and tidal waves to kill him. Galus Duncan was linked to this coven of witches that conjured the storms. Um, James was actually interested in these trials. He watched the torture of witnesses and witches and was apparently absorbed by the case for nine months. James was kidnapped by other Scottish lords earlier in his life and had a taste for vengeance against his own cowardice. James only linked witchcraft to maleficence. There we go. (laughs) And the devil he did not recognize scottish folk magic or natural magic like they did in the highlands mostly most likely just because he was a lowlander he was raised with less catholic superstition yeah and that whole summary you gave stuff was just a very brief summary of all the craziness surrounding the story during those times after king james heard about the witches and witch trials in denmark he really came back and instilled fear amongst all the people back in Scotland. And his book, Daemonology, is just one source that was used as a tactic to scare people. Everyone was terrified of witches and the devil at the time, and now they believed that this evil could be living amongst them. So, you know, it was kind of like a mass paranoia, but rightfully so, that they were scared. Well, not rightfully, because these demons and stuff didn't really exist but everyone was just mass terrified it gives people a better excuse to do these things and to accuse people and to be angry 
and take out their anger on women who literally did nothing unless they actually did kill somebody. But I seriously Mm -hmm. doubt that. (laughs) Yeah. And that brings us to the story of Galus Duncan. Galus was a Scottish maid who lived in the 16th century. Her year and date of birth are unknown, but we do know that she was employed in the town of Tranent in the southeast of Scotland. This is just near Edinburgh, and it is in between Edinburgh and North Berwick. She was employed by a man named David Seaton. And in illustrations, Galus is always portrayed as an older woman, because of course that witchy stereotype of being an old hag, but many modern academics actually believe that she was probably a teenager during her trial, and I agree, I think that this was correct. So what happened was her employer, David Seaton, he was a really, really angry and paranoid man. He also had legal powers, so he was legally allowed to torture her in his own home because of the law surrounding witches and if he thought that she was a witch he was allowed to do forth as he wanted people believed that there was a group of people going to north barrack which is by the water to receive orders from the devil and seaton believed that his maid galus was one of them galus was known for her sudden miraculous abilities as a healer and being a little sneaky which got her into some trouble so she would go out at nighttime and like in the middle of the night and nobody would know where she went and it was maybe assumed that she either had a lover outside or maybe she was just doing errands or meeting her family who knows but it is suspected that David Seaton may have um, been in love with her, or maybe he was jealous that he was, that she was going off somewhere else at night and she wouldn't tell him. So like to me, Galus, like in my mind is very much a young woman who was beautiful in, in a sense, like I see her as kind of how they portrayed her in Outlander as this fair haired, beautiful lady but that's just my opinion but yeah she was seen to be going out at night and she was also a healer um and then they accused her or basically thought that because her healing practices were so successful and because like she used different ways to heal people that they thought of it as witchcraft which sucks because it probably would have been very useful to have a healer as talented as herself back in the day So because of the area she was in, she was linked to the North Berwick witches that caused the storm that almost killed the king. David Seaton was the one who reported her. And at the time, it wasn't only like, this was witchcraft, they have to die because of it. It's also because the king honestly thought that they were out to get him because of the storms. This was also seen as regicide, trying to kill the king. She was questioned in 1690 and the torture started with pillywinks or other people would know it as the thumb screw i think also thumbikins they were known as and these were basically a vice that was used to torture and you'd put your 
fingers, toes, thumbs in them, and they'd slowly crush them down. And on the inside of the vice grips, there'd be like spiky parts too. So that wasn't fun. And then they also used a method on her called thrawing, which is another torture method of twisting tight ropes around the victim's head. And resisting would have just been more torture for her. Um, and then they also stripped her naked and shaved all of her body hair off um, and did a really intense physical examination to try and find the devil's mark. But the examination was so intense that some people basically deemed it as pretty much rape. Yeah. I think any yeah. unwanted contact. Yeah. Yeah. Of yep. course. When you're, you know, when you're stripped naked, of course, like. That's that's called rape. So they ended up finding the devil's mark on her so that she could actually be accused of being a witch. And they continued to torture her until she confessed. Of course, you would confess in that situation. Yeah, pretty much if they already see you as guilty, they're going to do everything they can to prove it, even if it's just, you know, finding a little mole on your body and say that that's the devil's mark. After her confession, Galus Duncan was arrested in May of 1591. During her confession, she also named several other individuals who were said to have been involved in witchcraft or sorcery, but there were very few records kept of her execution. What we do know is that she was strangled and burned on Castle Hill in Edinburgh alongside another woman named Bessie Thompson and they were executed on December 4th of 1591. Right before her execution though, she told the crowd, because of course there was a huge crowd, she told everyone that the other witches that she named were all innocent. So she was probably like provoked to tell other people's names, of course. Uh, but regardless, she did pass away. And just a side note, I remember doing one of these witchy walks or haunted witch tours or whatever in Edinburgh, which by the way, if anyone goes to Edinburgh, I highly recommend any of the tours, even if it's the dungeon tours or a ghost walk. I've been on a few of them and none were disappointing. Edinburgh, I think is supposed to be actually one of the most haunted places on earth. There was yeah. a group and they were telling me because I they made me the quote unquote witch. Um, so they put like, the thumb screws <laughs> on course. me and everything, and they oh, showed God. like all the torture devices. Yeah, like not hard, but okay. Yeah, so they were just like, "You're the witch from the audience tonight because whatever I committed adultery or whatever fun thing they pick for you." And then they bring out these like mock torture devices that they would have used. So not real thumb screws, like I said, just little little toy versions of it I guess that we would just use now for show and so they showed us all these devices but one thing that um, I just remember was another torture that could have been used during this time and I just want to state it because it was so horrific mm -hmm. that so Castle Hill I mean it's a really really long mile stretch that is yeah hill obviously and mm -hmm. they used to put these women or other witches in these barrels and just roll them all the way down that mile long hill. Oh, God. And they kept doing it. And they put like torture stuff in it, you know, 
That's um, just terrible. Until you confess. So I know that m- might not have happened to Gaelis Duncan, but I just want to say like there are so many torture devices that they used on mm-hmm. these witches and it's just really, really gruesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all these poor people were tortured that way. I also want to mention the woman that I said Galus was executed with, Bessie Thompson. She was probably also executed on account of witchcraft. In fact, there was at least 44 more executions on account of witchcraft that same year. And in Bessie Thompson's pretrial notes, it was kind of weird. It said that she confessed and no torture was used because, and I'm going to quote this, the accused was in sound mind and competent age before the commissioners can use a death sentence, end quote. So that was a little strange, but Galus was not the first or the last witch. It was just one of the major witch trials. I think the last trial in Scotland actually ended in 1727. And if we didn't mention this earlier, the story of Galus and the North Berwick witch trials actually inspired some of Shakespeare's work. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I think what's also crazy is that like another thing that's talked about or kind of debated or looked at, I guess, um, is that Scotland didn't have a witchcraft act until England had one. <laughs> so after Elizabeth created hers, Scotland decided to follow suit because they just thought that if they had one, then it was probably necessary to have one. Yeah, I don't know. There, there could be a thousand reasons why witchcraft act was created, but I know that it was never like a problem for Scotland before. So it just kind of makes me a little sad and angry that it just basically came out of nowhere for them yeah and we'll get into more about this in our future episodes and on our social media as well but i think we're gonna add also some additional sources at the end too i just wanted to note that a lot of research was conducted to provide scotland's history of witchcraft including the act and multiple sources were used including direct lines taken from those sources. So some of the lines that I did say were not directly my words, but I phrased them into my words. They will all be linked in our podcast description. And for additional reading, Steph has noted that we should check out the Scottish Witchcraft Act by J. Goodair. Also, Daemonology by King James. There's a version online that includes the original text of Daemonology and used from Scotland by D. Tyson. And also, of course, we mentioned the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon. But as mentioned, we leave everything in the description. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. Um, We hope you enjoyed and we will catch you next time. Yeah, if you've enjoyed this episode of Witch Story, please don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out a ton. And if you want to send us a message or email, feel free to do so at witchstorypodcast at gmail.com. We're also on social media. We have Instagram and Twitter, and that's at witchstorypod. So we hope you tune back in again next week for another episode. Thanks and bye, everyone. Thank you.